Welcome to the Refuge Recovery Podcast. Refuge Recovery is a Buddhist-oriented path to recovery from addictions. For more information, please visit us at refugerecovery.org. Okay, it is 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on the first Thursday of January 2023. Welcome to the uh, monthly teacher-led offering of Refuge Recovery, the first Thursday. Welcome to anybody that's new joining us for the first time. Just a reminder to everyone, this is not a Refuge Recovery meeting. Refuge Recovery meetings are peer-led, and um, this is a teacher-led offering where once a month uh, I offer some meditation instructions and discussion and questions and answers uh, about some aspect of Buddhism, uh, all of which in one way or another does uh, apply to our recovery from addiction. One of the, uh, the topic for tonight is the body, the first foundation of mindfulness, the uh, seventh factor of the eightfold path in, in refuge recovery, we're practicing the Buddha's Four Noble Truths, which the fourth truth is the Eightfold Path. The seventh section of the Eightfold Path is mindfulness. Mindfulness is broken down into four different aspects, four foundations. The first foundation is the body, but the first foundation of the seventh factor of the Eightfold Path is further broken down into mindfulness of the breath, mindfulness of the posture, mindfulness of the 32 parts of the body, mindfulness of the four elements experienced in the body, and mindfulness of the body as a corpse, impermanence, death, reflection on the, on the corpse. So tonight I'm going to talk about the seventh factor, first foundation, uh, and the uh, fourth aspect of the first foundation, which is the four elements of of um, air, heat, water, and uh, earth, and how we experience those in our bodies, and how this is one of the Buddha's meditation instructions to help us find liberation. And um, my friend Sebastian recently said, you know, what's, what's that about? <laughs> how does that help us recover? How does meditating on this body as air and water and fire and earth, uh, uh, you know, apply to our recovery from addiction. So I'd like to reflect a little bit with you tonight on how I think it might help uh, some of the experiences that I've had that have helped me in my recovery and, um, and, you know, together sort of explore, does it seem like a useful part of our meditation instruction? Um, I wasn't surprised by the question about how the four elements apply because I feel like a lot of the other uh, aspects of the meditations that we're doing in refuge recovery are quite obvious. How forgiving is practical and necessary. How developing kindness towards ourselves is practical and necessary. How mindfulness in the greater sense of understanding the impermanent, impersonal, unsatisfactory nature of present time existence is practical and necessary, helping us as, you know, all, almost all of these, um, without much investigation, we can see how they are 
interventions in our experience of addiction, how we can bring mindfulness to intervene with craving, how we can bring forgiveness to intervene with resentment, which may lead to relapse or to misery at least. So um, tonight I'm gonna explore how the uh, awareness of the four elements can be beneficial and perhaps a, a relapse prevention, maybe not. I'm, uh, I'm a little curious to see how I'm going to make it make sense too. <laughs> so we'll see. We will begin again. Welcome to everybody. It looks like there's a good turnout. Um, new Year's, right? Like that often happens. We start the new year and we say, you know, okay, I'm going to meditate every day and I'm going to go to the first Thursday and I'm going to, uh, you know, reestablish, recommit. So some of you are recommitting and joining us uh, maybe for the first time or coming back if you haven't been with us the last few months. Anyways, really happy to be here with everybody. And we'll have about a 20 minute meditation. I'll give a guided uh, meditation on the first foundation. I'll include the four elements in our meditation tonight. And then I'll open up, I'll share some things and we'll have some dialogue. So to begin with, find a way to sit that is meditative, an upright, relaxed posture. And as you're ready, allow your eyes to be closed and settle into a meditation posture. Taking a moment to release any unnecessary tension, even the eyes themselves gently closed. Releasing any tension in the brow, the forehead, the eyebrows. Releasing any tension in the jaw or the shoulders, the chest or the belly. Softening into the present time experience. Establishing mindfulness of the body, your body, this body, what sensations are here in the contact with the cushion, the chair, the couch, the floor, wherever you're sitting. Taking a moment to be aware, to acknowledge the activity at the other sense doors, what sounds are present in your space, your environment. Are there any experience of smell or taste at the nose, the tongue? What is being seen behind the closed eyelids? You see light, shape, images. Sometimes when we close our eyes, we can still kind of see an outline of our own bodies or a sense of the things around us, the furniture, the, the room we're sitting in, a mental image of spatial awareness.
What is your mind up to right now? Turn towards your mind. What's your mind thinking about, if anything? Plans, memories. And just come back to feeling the body. Let the thoughts be in the background. With each exhale, softening the belly, releasing the jaw. Establishing mindfulness of the breath, breathing in, know that you're breathing in, breathing out. Investigating the sensations of the breath. Where do you feel it? What's happening in your belly, your chest, nostrils? Perhaps noting in and out with each breath. When something takes your attention away, when the attention wanders to a sound or a thought draws us back into the future or the past, just acknowledge that thinking, hearing, and choosing to disengage from that thought. Come back to the breath over and over back to the present, here sitting, mindfulness of the body, first foundation. Not trying to stop our minds, but in this practice, we are trying to stop indulging in thought. Let the thoughts be, return your awareness to the body.
We define mindfulness as the practice of present time, non-judgmental, investigative kind awareness. Present time awareness with the qualities of using the mind to inquire, investigate, with an attitude of kindness, friendliness accepting our experience just as it is, but trying to see it more clearly. So spending the first couple of minutes just coming back to the breath over and over. One of the ways the Buddha encouraged mindfulness of the body was through investigating the different parts of the body, the 32 parts. He made a list of our anatomy to bring our attention to, starting with the hair, the external, all of the places on your body where there's hair. Can you be mindful? of hair growing out of this body of yours? Is there any sensation to hair? Is there any feeling to the hair on your body? And then starting at the top of the head, bringing awareness, we can scan our attention down through the body. The crown of the skull, the scalp, the skull, the brow, down to the eyes and nose and mouth, the face. What sensations are present in your head, your face? The sensation of the breath. The eyes resting in the skull. The brain being held by this skull. Becoming aware of how the nose and throat are connected, how the tongue is resting in the mouth, the jaw. 
connecting to the spine, the throat, the vocal cords, mindfulness of your head and face, eyes and nose and mouth, the ears hanging out on either side, your lobes, and perhaps visualizing how these openings, the nostrils, the mouth, the ears, the sense doors, so much of our experience received through this body, through this part of the body, what we hear, what we see, what we smell, what we taste, all up, up top here, mindfulness of the face, the sense doors. And then scanning down through the neck and throat and out into the shoulders, bringing your attention slowly down into your arms, your armpits, biceps, elbows, forearms, all the way out into the hands and fingers. Back up into the chest, down into the trunk of the body, the chest, the breasts, the upper back, the belly rising and falling with each breath, the rib cage holding in the organs, mindfulness of the organs, lungs breathing, heart beating stomach, intestines, bowels, digesting, liver and spleen, gallbladder, kidneys, present time awareness of this body and all of the interconnected parts that keep it alive, functioning, down into the buttocks, feeling the contact, the genitals, penis, vagina, anus. Contact with the seat you're on. Into your thighs. Down into the knees calves, feet, mindfulness of this body from the top to the bottom, inside and the skin that wraps it all up. The hair that grows on parts of it, the fingernails, the teeth, the bones, We investigate the parts of the body and then the Buddha encourages us to go a bit deeper, this investigation of what is this? 
What are these parts made of? I'm bringing it down to the simplest truth. Most of this body is water. Get a sense as you sit here in this water body, almost 80% of us are fluid, saline. All of the blood, all of the fluids of the body. Some small percentage of the body is earth element, the bones, the carbon. Sometimes we feel so solid, so heavy, the contact with the seat we're on. So sitting on the earth, touching the earth. And the breath, bringing air, this body that needs to breathe, needs air to live, oxygenating the blood. Feel the air entering and exiting through the nostrils. But also become aware as much as you can that the body itself is porous, is breathing. The skin breathes. I know it sounds super psychedelic, but it's true. The body itself, porous, breathing. This physical form, mostly water, a little bit of earth that is full of air, oxygenated, and is warm. 98 something degrees normally it's hot this fire warmth heat element mindfulness of the heat mindfulness of the earth mindfulness of the air mindfulness of the water fluid.
And just return to the mindfulness of the breath with awareness of how this four elements body breathes all by itself. Heats all by itself. The heart beats all by itself and the mind that we're so often identified with, taking personal, this brain that creates these thoughts, mostly water, this squishy brain matter with its electricity, memories and plans, hopes and fears, that the mind thinks all by itself that this body craves pleasure. Its survival instinct is to hate pain. How much of our thoughts are involved with craving, aversion? This kind of mindfulness is meant to change our relationship to the body. See that it's not as personal, not as solid, not as separate as we thought. It's just the four elements. Experiencing what they experience, pleasure and pain, emotions experienced in the body, thoughts, all experienced as part of this four element form. And when you're ready, you can allow your eyes to open and take a moment as you open your eyes and the room comes back into awareness to look around the space that you're in, wherever you are at home or and look at all of the structures around you, everything that you see and um, reflect on how everything that you are seeing right now, even this computer screen in front of you is also made up of the four elements. There's some earth and some air and some, some, some level of heat that, that went into uh, at one point, if you're looking at, you know, furniture or walls or all of it is in one level or another, the, uh, the four elements. And then if you look at the screen and look at, we look at each other, and there's some, you know, whatever you can scroll through, you can see some faces that are turning their cameras back on. Uh, that we it, it just what a different way to look at each other as rather than individual personalities uh, as the four elements. Uh, that once we understand this more and we meditate on it more about our own experience, like oh, this body is is has all of these parts and it's so uh, so many factors and. Uh, we get so focused on each other's personalities. We get so focused on our uh, masks that we wear and the presentation that we 
show to the world. And part of what the Buddha is encouraging us to do is strip it down, to, to go down to the, the uh, common denominators. And what do we have in common? We are all um, kind of of this earth. One of, um, one of my favorite images, I think this Buddha behind me is doing it. I don't know how many people are aware of this. Um, let's see if I go this way. This Buddha is doing this where this Buddha is touching the earth. You, you see these Buddha images where they have one hand in their lap and one hand pointed down. And I'm not sure how many people are, are you know, probably many of you are aware of this story, but it's said that uh, after the Buddha's enlightenment, he was attacked by Mara. And, or just, just not after the enlightenment, but part of his experience of waking up, of becoming enlightened, was that his mind was attacking him with craving for pleasure, aversion to pain, anger, resentments, and craving and lust and, and doubt. And that his mind at one point in the verge of enlightenment uh, said, why do you think you're worthy of happiness, of freedom? Like for us, you ever have those thoughts, the kind of who do you think you are to get sober, to be in recovery, to heal, to uh, that, that kind of unworthiness or self-doubt. And the Buddha's response to that negative, confused part of his own mind was to touch the earth. And he touched the earth and he said, um, you know, the response or the um, interpretation of that often is, uh, he said that I'm part of this planet. Uh, worthiness is not something that's earned. It's something that's given. I'm part of the four elements. I'm part of this earth, water, fire, air, existence that everything else is made of. I'm not some special spiritual being. I'm just part of this thing. <laughs> I'm just part of this four elements thing. And being part of this four elements, earth thing that we're all part of is enough to be worthy of happiness. It's not something you have to earn. It's not something that you have to be worthy of. Uh, ability, worth is a given. That it's actually a potential of all of us four element beings to train the mind to see clearly to respond wisely and to free ourselves from the causes of suffering that led to addiction <laughs> and the suffering that then addiction caused, right? It's such an interesting setup for us as recovering addicts where it was like I was suffering and then I became an addict <laughs> to try to alleviate my suffering. But then becoming an addict created all of this extra suffering for me. And the Buddha's response is that here on this plane of existence, where we're all just the four elements, worth, ability is given. And that we're all the same, we're all equal, we're all uh, made of the same fucking shit. <laughs> same material, four elements. One of the ways that I feel um, reflection on, on my experience as the four elements has helped me also that as I, as I ask you to look around, um, a lot of my life and a lot of addicts report to feeling quite um, isolated, quite separate. 
there's even that thing. It's a, I think a little new the last few, you know, decades or something, few years uh, of, um, you know, addiction is an experience of, of uh, separateness or isolation and that we're self-medicating and, you know, trying to, trying to create feeling of connection with our intoxication or addictive behaviors. And some of you will can see that in your own life. Yeah, like I, I felt so separate. And then when I was intoxicated in whatever form, I felt less separate. And then there's this uh, perspective that says recovery is um, connection. So if, if that, that may or may not resonate with you, and it's not totally a, a refuge perspective, but I think it's part of, partly true, I think it's part of the Dhamma, partly true. And if we can wake up to the uh, four elements as being the nature of who we are, and we can see the four elements in everyone else and everything else. Now, I know I'm verging on some tree hugger shit right now, but it's true. That tree <laughs> is the four elements just like you. You know what's also true? The cement in the city is the four elements, just like you. That automobile that is disturbing your meditation is made of the four elements, just like you. There's nothing in existence that is actually separate from the four elements. That's all that's happening here. And the more we wake up to that, the more we feel interconnected, not separate, and we can break free from some of our, you know, one of the dilemmas of humanity and addicts as a special form of humanity is the extreme self-centeredness and that separateness that we create. That I am alone, I am separate, I am. And this, my, I believe that a piece of the Buddha's intention in teaching us to break it down to dismantle the self, dismantle the ego, dismantle, investigate, what is this body? What is this feeling of separateness? It's really just a lack of ability to see clearly, whether that's wisdom seeing or actual visual seeing. Uh, I think, what is it, molecular biology? would understand that not only are we all the four elements, we're all just atoms and neutrons and you know, whirling fucking energy spheres. And we can't see it with our, you know, our eyes aren't strong enough to see that right now we're interacting energetically, atomically on the kind of molecular level. We don't see that. We feel so separate. But, uh, you know, science teaches us a big enough telescope wouldn't show a whole bunch. Like if we were in a, the room together, say all 79 of us were sitting here in the room together. You wouldn't see 79 separate bodies. You just see whirling massive energy. And then from one perspective, you just see a whole bunch of water bodies and a whole bunch of, you know, heat and a whole bunch of, you know, a little bit of earth and a bunch of air that we're exchanging with each other. This is why we, you know, spread our communicable diseases, <laughs> just giving everybody COVID, breathing on each other. So the four elements, uh, 
as a practical meditation path to help us feel more connected. And I know maybe when you first hear it, it feels like, well, it doesn't make me feel more connected and that's okay. But it's one of the offerings, one of the many offerings of the Buddha, one of the many offerings that I included in, in Refuge um, as uh, with the hope that it'll help us feel less separate, more connected. That'll help us, uh, even though we still have to deal with these I, me, mine, self-centeredness of the human condition, that these meditations help us think like, okay, yeah, I've got this self-centered ego-based mind, but also I'm just living in this body of the four elements that created this mind and that, you know, gets real hot sometimes. And, uh, you know, the fire element is such a, the Buddha uses this image of fire a lot. And usually he uses it as um, suffering the way that we're getting burned, the, the dukkha, the first noble truth, that the third noble truth, nirvana, awakening, what we're talking about as recovery, recovering, awakening, healing. He says it's nibbana, you know that word, nirvana, nibbana. He says it's removing ourselves from the fires, the ways that we're burning ourselves with greed, with hatred, with delusion, with that repetitive, habitual, satisfying of our cravings, where we say like, I'm going to go, I'm, I really crave for this substance or this behavior that we know burns us every fucking time, gives us a little temporary relief and then burns us. He says, it's stopping, stop burning yourself with the clinging, with the craving, with the aversion, the anger, the fear, the hatred that causes us to suffer. So those are some of my uh, initial thoughts on how utilizing these four elements can be useful. And um, I wanna open up to some dialogue with you about this first foundation of mindfulness. I also did a bit of the 32 parts, the body scan. Again, we take our bodies so personally, don't you? <laughs> Don't you like, like, this is me. I'm this fucking body. But then you start meditating on it and you start to see like, wow, this body has a mind of its own. Just keeps aging without my permission. It craves pleasure. It hates pain. It, it, it's not, you know, the lungs breathe all. I didn't tell my body to breathe. It just keeps doing it. I didn't tell my heart to beat. It just keeps fucking beating. I didn't, you know. Uh, the nervous system so easily like uh, has a mind of its own. How, you know, like our trauma, we get triggered. We, all of a sudden we're in anger, we're in fear, we're in anxiety. It's like, where the fuck did that come from? I was just sitting here and a memory or a sound or a, all of a sudden the body is experiencing all of these things, the heart, the mind. Huge part of our recovery is starting to realize that it's not as personal as we've been taking it. It's the human condition. And it's where this sort of relative and ultimate, uh, on the relative level, it's me, it's mine, it's you, it's yours. We gotta have good boundaries. We gotta, you know, all of that stuff on the relative level is true. But ultimately it's the human condition this is, you know, where the Buddha, a lot of the Buddhist teachings are about the liberation coming from starting to understand what's really happening here on the ultimate level. 
this body isn't as personal as we've been taking it. Our mind isn't as personal as we've been taking it. It's a temporary kind of karmic momentum that we're experiencing. So scanning the attention through the body helps us ground, be present, but also helps us break our identification with, this is who I am. I'm this bag of water, that's who I am. I mean, how often do you go around thinking about like, yeah, man, I'm fucking 77.3% water. We don't, we think I'm fucking solid piece of meat. (laughs) Rather than, uh, there was one teacher I like that he used to refer to, he's like, you think I'm this meat body? (laughs) That's what you think I am? There's something else going on here. It's where we start getting into like, we're on a spiritual path to develop wisdom not just a physical plane, but to develop wisdom. So I know I already said it, but I'll say it again. Now I'll open up to some questions, some dialogue about this aspect of the first foundation um, of scanning our attention through the body and investigating the body as the four elements. Does it make sense? Did I fucking lose you? It's okay. If it doesn't make sense, it's okay if I lost you. Um, And I know like the setup of, it's the fourth aspect of the four foundations, which is the seventh factor of the eightfold path, which is the fourth noble. I know that the math gets confusing in the beginning. You're like, what? The fourth and the fifth and the seven and the what? But the more you hear it, some of you, you've been hearing it for long enough. You're like, yeah, I get it. It's part of the seventh, part of the first foundation, which is the seventh repetition. You hear it enough. And then, uh, you know, the Buddha, like, it's all laid out in these lists, which after a while you memorize them and you know, like, oh, that's what's happening here. Experiencing the four elements, which is part of the first foundation. Erica, go ahead, jump in. Okay, I'm going to jump in because I actually thought this was fantastic. yeah, I, I think for me, I've dealt with chronic pain. And so being and spending a lifetime of running from my body, like literally, not consciously, but shutting it down, like being like, I can't, I don't want to experience pain. That's like, what I realized my aversion has been to my body experience. And for 50 X years, I've been like, distracting and avoiding and uh, like, really not being able to sit with it. And really, I love that this is kind of slowing it down so you can just redevelop that relationship with my body. And, and so that I can learn and experience the pain and know that it's impermanent and I can survive it and get through it. And so I don't know if I'll ever be able to memorize the words, but in, <laughs> like it's just not my, my brain doesn't work that way, but, but intuitively I kind of feel it. So like I can body scan just knowing my body and, and almost like I've, I've visualized for me, like me being like literally a thing of water. And as the water drains, I kind of go through my body as it's draining. And so I don't have to remember (laughs) the words, but I can experience the sensation. Does that make sense? Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And with those chronic pains, um, when we're not mindful, uh, the awareness just immediately goes to the, the pain, that survival instinct. But with mindfulness, we start to see like, oh, I can choose where I place my attention and we can investigate what's not hurting. Yeah. And it's really yeah. hard to bring the attention away from what is hurting because it's just instinctually drawn back to what is hurting. But as we start to scan through, we'll be like, well, actually my armpits are fine or my toes are fine. Uh, you know, there is this pain yeah. in this part, but you can kind of feel it, tend to it and keep going. Yeah. I think in my case, it's, it's actually, I'm so good at not experiencing the pain. Mm. I'm so good. I am so fast at like going away from the pain right. that I've not really processed it fully right. and sat with it and allowed my body to literally experience it and cry if I need to cry. Or I, I and that's my learning is actually sitting with the pain. Like I've been so efficient at not experiencing it. It's atypical, I think, in some ways, but it has been my survival mechanism. But, you know, my body has paid the price for that. And so now I'm trying to change that. You know, so, well, yeah. as you're probably aware, right after the first foundation, this sort of present time body awareness, uh, then the, the next instruction from the Buddha is feeling tone, pleasant, oh, pleasant, yes. neutral, with the encouragement where that's where we learn compassion, turn towards your pain, learn to be with it and learn to feel it and have a, a friendly, merciful and kind relationship to the pain, which is so radically different from either avoiding it or, uh, you know, suppressing, yes. you know. Absolutely. And that has been huge for me, yeah. feeling tone, sitting with it. Huge. It's huge. So Great. yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Erica. Uh, Lydia, go ahead. Thanks, Noah. Um, yeah. It, like doing um, like body uh, present, um, trying to connect in with body. Like it's, I find it, um, I find it hard. It, it, for some reason it reminded me of like when I was a kid, um, I was like <clears throat> with my folks and for some reason, I don't even know what it was, but for some reason I started, it dawned on me that my, my parents were like skeleton and flesh and organs and, and that scared the shit out of me. <laughs> so like, um, and then I've noticed also throughout life, just randomly, it like, I'll, I'll get this really strange, strange disembodied experience out of nowhere where it's like, all of a sudden, like I'm looking at my hands or especially like if I'm looking in the mirror and I'm seeing my face and it's, and it's all of a sudden I'm like, who the fuck is that? It's just, it's almost like when you, when you hear a word, an English word that you've, you've heard so many times and you're like, what, what is that? Like, it's just all of a sudden, like. And it's, it's freaky, it scares me, but it's like, but then it's all of a sudden, it, it just, I don't know, like my, I quit, then I'm questioning like how I've been growing up and, and experiencing reality is like, is this really real, what I've been doing like every day throughout my life? So um, doing the, doing the practice is, um, it's a it's a good practice for me because I think I do have a, a tendency to want to like avoid feeling and sensation, and I like to over analyze and and over intellectualize everything and think about shit instead of actually experiencing it. Um, and it's also kind of similar like doing like um, the corpse meditation. It's like 
visualizing the actual uh, physicalness of the body with also a very strange sort of detachment. Like it's here and it's housing me, but I don't know, I don't know how this shit works. <laughs> but yeah. I also, I appreciate the um, connecting it with everything else around us. Like that, that I think is, is important having that connection. So yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Yeah. And just a a quick comment about how, you know, some of these meditative practices can um, be a little bit destabilizing. And, and I, I, it's actually part of the point, you know, that like you were, you kind of alluded to, uh, we can get so stable in our deluge, self-centered delusions of like, oh, I'm this body, I'm going to live forever rather than like, no, like I'm in this important, impermanent corpse that's walking around craving for pleasure and hating pain and taking everything personal. And I need to wake the fuck up. <laughs> um, but it can be real destabilizing sometimes. Um, and some of us, like, I know that I have to be careful because. I like psychedelic shit. I like to be destabilized and tripped out, but that's not true for everybody. Some people that really destabilizes and feels quite unsafe. Uh, Ultimately, this whole path is about feeling, you know, through wisdom, a reliable internal refuge that understands it's not about this body or these uh, mind states that, that we find safety. It's through the wisdom, the awareness of the, constantly changing nature of all things. Um, Anyways, thank you for your comments, Lydia. Yeah. Uh, Chris, go ahead. Yeah, I like that, that a reliable internal refuge. That's good. That's a good, that's a good quote, man. Um, Yeah, I guess uh, a comment and then an inquiry. I think the, the comment is that yeah, I, I love when we came out of the meditation and you had us, you know, looking at things and these are all the things and the, the, the motorcycle on the street. It's the same. It's the same shit. I love that. I think it feels akin to the, the concept of inner being to me, you know, the notion that um, the blueberries I, I had with dinner tonight came from the farm and came from the soil and all these things are are, are connected. There's something that feels really grounding to me with that. Um, I think the inquiry is you, you made that comment about, you know, the Buddha said, stop, stop burning yourself, you know? And I struggle with that idea of how much burning is too much burning. I mean, some of the burning is good and necessary. And then sometimes it crosses a line and I, I find I'm really challenged with knowing, like, for example, on Sunday, I was sort of in this, this sort of deep well of grief and the whole day was just sort of dark and cloudy. And, uh, and then my mentor said to me, he's like, he's like, and don't stay in that space too long, man. Like, you know, get, get yourself some serotonin, like, you know, go do something that's fun. And it sort of had me go, oh, that's a good idea. Let me go, <laughs> go do something that's fun. So I'd love to hear you comment on that. It's, it's a great inquiry, and it's not something that I can, uh, it's an important question for all of us. Uh, and I like, you know, fire is the, a, a great image for this, because fire uh, can heat our home, or it can burn our home down, right? Like, they're, like uh, fire, you know, like even the body temperature, 
You know, when you're 98 degrees, 99 degrees, you're okay. But when your temperature gets to 104, you're in danger. You know, it's going to fucking melt your brain or whatever those high fevers do. Um, so it is a question of, um, uh, you know, us individually identifying like drugs and alcohol and addictive behaviors are something that burned us over and over. So we stopped. Right. I, I stopped drinking. I stopped, you know, stopped using, stopped whatever it was, the food, the sex, the money, the codependent trying to control people. I got burned in that way over and over and over. I don't need to fuck with that fire anymore at all. Abstinence. <laughs> now, I know what you're saying, which is like, well, then there's these emotional experiences or relational experiences that, you know, can be healthy, like, you know, relationships are maybe a good example, you know, it can be so much warmth in a healthy relationship. Um, but actually, if there's too much clinging or too much controlling or too much uh, something, then actually it starts to burn us, our, our own attachment, our own craving, our own wanting to control each other uh, becomes not just a warmth, loving connection, but a burning source of suffering. Now, relationships can be quite healthy when they're healthy. Um, but we have to identify like, oh, no, this has become a source of suffering. This isn't warmth. This is burning. <laughs> this isn't. This doesn't totally apply here, but I thought about it earlier when somebody else was saying there's this uh, story uh, from um, it's like a Sufi story from some Middle Eastern. I think it was maybe Kabir, one of those uh, wise Sufis. And um, oh, it was about Nasruddin. Nasruddin is this kind of archetype of, of, of wild uh, wisdom. And one day uh, Nasruddin is in the uh, marketplace uh, next to a bowl, bowl of uh, hot chili peppers and he's eating the chili peppers. And he's eating the chili peppers over and over and he's sweating and he's turning red and he's crying. And finally somebody comes up to Nasruddin and he says, like, why do you keep eating those fucking chili peppers over and over? They're hurting you. And he keeps eating them. He says, because I'm looking for a sweet one. And how often in our life have we done that of like, this burns me every time, but I'm hoping it won't this time. Which is a little, I know it's a little different than your question, Chris, um, because when it's obvious, drugs that kind of relationship, that kind of burns us. So we then we, you know, abstain, right? But there are other, other aspects of our life around work or relationships or uh, even, even exercise, right? How many recovering addicts have then gone too far into rather than a healthy exercise routine, they're like destroying their bodies running ultra marathons every other week because they're fucking addicts. And what was healthy exercise becomes this like, oh man, I'm fucking killing myself about this shit now. I took it a little too far. I blew out my knees, <laughs> I blew out my back, you know, whatever it was. Um, so it's the right question. I certainly don't have, you know, the answer, but it is the right inquiry. Is this warmth or is this burning? And I, and I like what your mentor said, which is like, yeah, when you notice it, like, there's also some antidotes, you know, meditative antidotes or physical antidotes and go out and have some fun instead of just wallowing in the sorrow when you can. Lee, go ahead.
These will be the last three, Lee, Michelle, then Kaylee. Uh, no, thank you very much for great meditation. I have a question. I suffer from um, a condition that's called atopic dermatitis, and my skin is very sensitive. And of course, I cannot go into the sun because the sun, it makes it worse. But you know, when I sit and, um, and I'm doing meditation, my body is like attacking me with the itch. And I don't want to give in to them because I know it may, will make it worse. So I breathe deeply and then, um, but I, I get so scared because they just, what, any, any tip, anything. Um, I know they're not permanent and they go away, but then new ones come in. And um, so please give me your uh, thought. Thank you. Uh, thanks, Lee. But I feel like you answered it yourself. Uh, in the comment, I know it's not permanent because in a situation like that, it's, you know, the, the second noble truth, it's not just that craving arises once in a while, that's a problem, it's that it's repetitive, right? So it's like the, the itch comes and we want to scratch it and then, okay, it's impermanent. So it passes at some point or it migrates like it was over here and now it's over here and now it's over here, it moves around, um, but it's repetitive. And that mindfulness um, has to con be, be vigilant of this impermanent. And also the second foundation of like, oh, this is quite unpleasant. Can I bring some compassion to it? Because right away, the instinct is aversion. I want to itch it, which will maybe feel pleasant for a moment, but will actually hurt me. It's actually burn me in the long run. Um, so it's, it's that sitting with the truth of impermanence and the uh, feeling tone of just tending to, okay, unpleasant sensation on the skin right here. Let me breathe into it. Let me soften around it. And remembering it's impermanent. It's impermanent. So my entire meditation is, is, is just telling myself these things impermanent. It's all will go away. So, so is that still a meditation? It, it, it is actually, you know, there's a place where the Buddha said um, you can become fully enlightened just meditating in, in, on this first foundation, the body. And actually the insight into impermanence and, and the impersonal nature of how your body just uh, itches all by itself might actually really set you free to see like, I don't have to give in to craving so i don't have to ever relapse into addiction again and like that meditation itself the, how powerful for your recovery and for your awakening is that experience when you treat it like that so it really is and uh for the mindfulness and then sometimes i don't know it, what happens when you do loving kindness sometimes take the itches as the object of your loving kindness say to the the skin the, the dermatitis May you be happy, may you be at ease, may you be free. Use the forgiveness towards the skin. I forgive you as much as I can in this moment. Use it as the object of your uh, heart practices, as well as mindfulness. Yeah, thank you very much. That the, the equanimity piece of, it's not what's happening, it's how I'm responding to what's happening. Right, because the the typical is I've got this you know painful dermatitis, so of course I'm unhappy. But then Buddhism says like, nope, nope, you don't get to say that. <laughs> it's not what's happening. It's how you're relating to it. Yeah, yeah, sure. Thank you very much. Welcome. Michelle, go ahead. 
Hey, thanks. Um, so I experienced a lot of trauma and my body's not, doesn't feel like a really safe place to be like at all. And I'm wondering if just jumping in and doing 32 parts of the body is for me, like a wise thing, or is there some easier way to sleaze my way into it sideways, you know, or, you know, you know what I'm asking? I do. And I think it's for our community, many of whom who have a lot of body, a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse and neglect and could be quite interesting to kind of make the practice your own and start with um, like, you know, it's kind of like we did, you know, start at the top. And as you come down, like, where is it going to check in? Where does it feel safe? You know, where does it stop feeling safe? You know, it's maybe around the trunk of the body or around the genitals or wherever it is that was not safe in the past, right? And kind of where we were harmed or where we were, maybe it's a more fully embodied place. And it's like, none of my body feels safe. You know, the, the Buddha just sort of throws us into it. I remember my father had this meditation. I forget exactly how it went, but it was for like trauma. And, um, and it was sort of like, bring the awareness out here outside of the body and then see how close the awareness to the body can get. And then can it just get like to the skin? Like maybe my face doesn't feel safe, but what about the back of my head? Is that, can I bring my awareness there? And then just hang out there and then start to see, can that, can I spread it slowly? Can I widen to my ears? Can I widen to my shoulders? And at whatever point the body says, no, honor it. And then kind of just hang out with that kind of, okay, shoulders. I can't go below my shoulders yet. Okay. But keep, rather than, often we give up. We say like, oh, well, I'm traumatized and my body's not safe. So I'm not going to even try. And I like the way you asked the question, which was, is there a way to ease into it? Yes. Ease yourself into it. You know, do the 32 parts, but you know, when it becomes like, oh, no, that's right, right here. That's where, <laughs> you know, or I'm good over here. You know, my arm is okay, but you know, my foot is okay. But once I get to my knees, I start to dissociate or check out or freeze or whatever it is. So let me just hang out in my feet for now. And then let me see, can I bring it up into the knees? Most likely over the months and years of practice, you will come to a place where you can be in your body again. If you do this practice, it's not going to happen all by itself, right? The mind isn't, it's not going to heal itself, but these practices, if applied in a kind of trauma uh, aware, slow way, don't push yourself into it, but continue to slowly apply and then just pause and be like, right, you know, this is good for today. And then tomorrow, try it again. Oh, wow, I got a little bit farther. And then next week, wow, I got, you know, I was actually able to feel my belly or where, you know, something that I hadn't been able to before. Right on. But you have to, um, <clears throat> we each have to do that ourselves, right? Nobody can really, I mean, maybe somebody sitting with us could guide us through it. But when it comes to refuge and this peer-led thing and those instructions being read to everyone in the meeting, you just have to honor where you're at and go as far as feels uh, right for you today. Right on, thank you. Welcome. Kaylee, last one. Hi, I just mostly wanted to say hello and thank you and introduce myself. I'm Kelly, I'm, I'm sharing my body currently with 
my two dogs who are using me for heat and also my four month old fetus. And so I've had a lot of uh, obsession with my body for the last four months, like extreme daily constant obsession with this bag of bones and blood. And I do at times have relief from my suffering when I think of myself that way, when I think of this like bag of bones floating on a space rock flying through space, but it's super fleeting when I don't have my meditative practice and um, I'm new, you know, I'm, I'm almost two years into daily meditation and I've been guided to you from my mentor sponsor, China. And uh, my life has changed and my suffering has lessened mostly from the equanimity meditation on repetition. And I just really appreciate the questions tonight and where they went. And when you were talking about clinging, like the large majority of my suffering comes from clinging to my husband. And even if I get what I want, I feel like shit still. So uh, being pregnant has kind of turned up my control a little bit. And with that comes self-righteousness and arrogance and just like the body scan is so effective. And I know that my refuge isn't even necessarily within, it's with like spirit. And I just was reminded of so much that brings me peace tonight. So thank you. Welcome. Good to see you. Welcome to the Sangha and good to see everybody and uh, happy new years and all that. A um, couple of announcements before we end. Um, you can, uh, Refuge Recovery World Services is a nonprofit. We do need your support. Um, I don't get paid for doing, you know, I don't take the donations that come in from this class, but we do encourage you to donate. And um, I just want to, you know, encourage everyone to be as generous as you can to support World Services. We're, um, you know, there's lots of meetings that happen every day. Probably hundreds of people are attending meetings every day. And maybe only 10% of the people seem to be actually donating to World Services um, uh, for the online meetings, like a very, very small percentage. And uh, we're not actually meeting without doing some fundraising. We're not actually meeting our financial needs. So, you know, just to pay the rent and the employees and the web hosting and everything that we pay for, for, for refuge. So be as generous as you can support the nonprofit. If you can, when you can greatly appreciated. Um, if you want to donate for tonight, please do, uh, or, you know, just remember to donate at meetings and to encourage other people in the community to donate at meetings. Um, there's a lot of costs that aren't quite being met. Um, for the world services side of things. Uh, there's a, some upcoming, uh, there's a retreat next weekend in Oregon, Refuge Recovery Silent Weekend Retreat uh, right outside of Portland, Oregon. Um, it's currently full with a wait list, but it looks like we might be able to let a couple more people in. If you wanna come next weekend to the retreat, um, get on the wait list and you might get in. So especially if you're in that Northwest area and you can kind of come last minute, if we get a cancellation, get on the, the waiting list and, and try to come. The next retreat uh, after that is in February, there's a weekend retreat in Oklahoma. Um, if you're around that, uh, you know, 
Southwest Oklahoma, you know, uh, what, what are, I guess Oklahoma is a Southwest. Um, or if you want to travel to Oklahoma for a weekend retreat, that's in February. Then in um, May, the annual Refuge Recovery Conference is happening in Northern California. It's May, I think, 5th through 7th or 4th through 6th, that first weekend in May. And it's in the Redwoods at this uh, cool camp place. And uh, it's, a, it's not a retreat. It's a conference where we come together. We have meetings. We develop Sangha. People that you've met on Zoom from all over the country get together. And we spend the weekend. And we have some fun. And we do some meditation. And we have some meetings. And we you know, hug some redwood trees, whatever you want to do. So I hope that a lot of you are coming to that. Register for that. It might sell out eventually but I hope that a lot of you join us for that. There's also an East Coast retreat in October and a longer retreat in the fall, a seven-day refuge retreat uh, back here in California in the fall. I'll announce those and get the registration up for those later, but lots of opportunities to do some retreats that I'll be teaching this year for refuge recovery and hope to see some of you there. mentor each other, do your inventories, and uh, start some new meetings in your area if you have the time and energy to do so. Great to see everybody. May any merit that comes from our practice be offered out in all directions with all living beings. May each one of us recover, and together may we create a positive change on this planet. Good to see everybody. Refuge Recovery is freely offered. If you'd like to make a donation to support us, you may do so by following the link in the episode notes. We appreciate your generosity.